There's no coincidence that since 2012, when the majority of Americans started getting smartphones, you see anxiety and depression and loneliness increasing across different social demographics. This is a huge issue that the church needs to deal with. And our response, our, well, we're not gonna show up and say smartphones are bad. I love my smartphone, that's not the point. But how do we help this generation navigate that relationally is a huge piece. This, 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 this Let's be honest, talking about our faith, it can get hard sometimes. Sometimes we get caught up in the world, but now the world will have to get caught up in us. We're here to talk about it. We're here to talk about our real faith. We're here to talk about the real God. For unapologetic apologetics everywhere, welcome to Tactical Faith Radio. Welcome, everybody, to Tactical Faith Radio. This is Matt Burford. I am here today with three great individuals. Um, each and every one of these people have had influence in my life one way or the other. I'm going to introduce them one at a time. We're, we're here because of a special conference that's having in our state. But before I get to that, I'm going to introduce Daniel. Uh, Daniel is the head over the Alabama Baptist State Board of Missions. And you're here today in my basement to pretty much, well, whatever, you, you, you can tell me where I'm wrong, but tell me about the conference, and then I'll tell you about the two special guests that are going to be at this conference that are online right now. Great, and I'm the head of the evangelism office. What did I of say? The state, of the State Board of Missions. Did so I say something different? You said head over the whole shooting match. Well, that's... We're having a great conference next month. It's going to start on Sunday night, February 23rd. It's, it's, it's called our Sharing Hope State Evangelism Conference. So it starts on Sunday night, February 23rd, around 6 p.m., and it goes all day Monday and concludes on Monday night. And, and this is, this is uh, going to be a different type of evangelism conference than we've had before uh, because of the components that we've included in the conference. Now, e every year, our, our, our purpose is to encourage believers to do the work of evangelism and also to equip them to be better evangelists. Uh, but this year, there's more of a, a spiritual renewal emphasis along with evangelism because we know that uh, that, that, that prayer and spiritual renewal and spiritual awakening must, must accompany real New Testament evangelism. And then along with that also, we have the Monday morning component of apologetics. And so I'm excited that we have Sean McDonald, uh, Sean McDowell, excuse me. I, Our I, McDonald, <laughs> he has a farm. So The first book I read was your dad's, the first real book I read was your dad's book in the, in the seventh grade. I read More Than a Carpenter by, by your dad. Jeff, so, so I know your name, that, Sean. Is that by Josh McDonald? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I know I know a Sean McDonald somewhere. But uh, Sean McDowell and Brett Kunkel, we're thrilled to have you all coming to Alabama to be a part of this conference and, 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 and to give us some, some, some tools uh, for evangelism, especially as, as, as it relates to you know, addressing you know, current, you know, uh, issues that, that affect uh, people today. So thank you for coming on. That'll be Monday morning, February 24th is when Sean and Brett will be speaking at the conference and also the, the reaching Gen Z luncheon at which Sean and Brett will also be speaking along with David Evans. And so we're excited to have an apologetics component uh, to our state evangelism conference because this has never been done before. This is the first time. So one of the reasons why you hired me is not for my looks. It's basically because I know people, right? Exactly. That's why this was, <laughs> that's why this is an audio podcast and not a video sure. podcast. I'm bald and I'm fat and I'm four, yeah. three. 
I'm not 43. I'm 43 and I'm 5A. I bring zero to the table other than people that I know, right? Hey. So two two people that I know and known a while, uh, Sean McDowell and Brett Cole, who just introduced, which was my supposed to be my responsibility, oh my, but whatever. Uh, they're online with us right now, all the way over from California. One of them just got out of the ocean, apparently. <laughs> that's the Pacific Ocean, right? Yes, that's the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> just making sure. It's between here and the nation of yeah, Tokyo. Exactly. And, uh, and then there's Sean Mc, McDougal, uh, I mean McDowell, <laughs> who's on with this as well. Uh, to get serious for a moment, I'm going to throw this one to, to Sean real quickly, Sean. Um, so we're going to be talking about Gen Z. Uh, why is that such a hot button issue now? I hear that more and more over the last couple of years about how are we going to reach the younger generation? And I know you, you've written a lot on that and actually have a book about that issue. Is this, I know that we're of the age now where our children are, are Gen Z. Well, uh, tell me why that's such an important topic and give me one or two things that you think that are really important for us older folks uh, in, in terms of the issues that they're having at that generation and, and also, how are we going to reach that generation for Christ? There's been a lot of talk about millennials the past decade plus. And now millennials are basically out of college and having kids of their own. So I think there's been this recognition that there's this new generation that people have called the selfie generation, iGen. But the name that is stuck is Gen Z. And although they have some similarities with millennials, there's also the sense that this is a totally new animal, so to speak. How do they think? How do they see the world? How do we reach them? So I think adults are looking in going, what do we do? And I, there's a lot of ways to look at this generation, but clearly the most defining characteristic is that they're truly the first generation that are digital natives, meaning that a lot of them have been swiping smartphones before they could read and, and speak. And this affects this generation in two broad ways that Brett and I are going to talk about. Number one, it affects them relationally. There's no coincidence that since 2012, when the majority of Americans started getting smartphones, you see anxiety and depression and loneliness increasing across different social demographics. This is a huge issue that the church needs to deal with. And our response, our, well, we're not going to show up and say smartphones are bad. I love my smartphone. That's not the point. But how do we help this generation navigate that relationally is a huge piece. Second, Smartphones affect the way this generation thinks. I'll give you one example. I remember these commercials when I was a kid, uh, Coke versus Pepsi. And if you think about it, the idea was kind of there's two different, if you want a soda, there's two different kinds, Coke or Pepsi, two options. Well, now you can buy your own soda making machine and make the fizz and level and taste tailor just for you. If that's not enough, you can actually get a soda, a Coke with your name on it. We have a generation that everything has been tailored to their thinking, their preferences, and their needs in the way they see the world. So it's no coincidence that the word of the year for 2016 was post-truth. In other words, in previous generations, there's a sense that there's truth out there that I have to conform myself to. Now this generation has been taught because of digital technology that I can have what I want, where I want it, when I want it, how I want it. And I can tailor the world to my own feelings and preferences. So Brett and I are just going to spend some time breaking down. How does this generation think? How do they see the world? How do we help them build a biblical worldview? And how do we build relationships with this generation? Because I can tell you there's a lot of promise in this generation. And they are open to not only evidences, 
but many in this generation are open to the gospel. So Brett, um, tagging along with what Sean said, what are some things I know you have even through Maven, which is the, the nonprofit uh, that you have built. Um, you actually have a conference that's coming up in the next month or so as well, talking about screens. Now I'm a parent, Daniel's a parent, Sean, you're parents. This seems to be a big issue with me and Holly. I've even called you a couple months ago because my, my oldest is 14. We're starting to tackle this issue with, with phones and screens. Um, have you looked at the scientific data about what screens are doing to us like physically and chemically? Are those the kind of things that you, you look into as well? Yeah, we look into um, the scientific data, um, you know, in, in, in terms of, you know, the reward system of the brain and the, uh, you know, the dopamine rewards that, uh, you know, the uh, brain rewards you with when you uh, get likes on a photo on social media or things like that. Um, and so, yeah, there's, I think the scientific part of it, which is great. I think there's just the common sense part of it as well. Um, you know, we hold science up so high and and of course science is is certainly a, a mode of knowing and a, and a source of truth but i think for those parents who don't want to wade through all the the scientific data uh, i think there's just this common sense observation that uh, our kids are on screens way too much and we know deep down it's just not good for them um and I think one of the things that's really helpful to understand in that technology uh, conversation, and I think, I think Sean's right, this is, this is one of the biggest challenges for, for this generation and for those of us who are trying to disciple this generation is technology. In fact, uh, I, I think if we're looking at the, uh, how omnipresent technology is in the lives of kids, I think it's reasonable to say that technology is actually a greater threat to the faith of our kids than atheism right now. And not that atheistic ideas aren't, aren't a threat, but in terms of just the pervasiveness uh, and what technology does just by our very use of it. And so I think one of the key things to help this generation understand and to help the parents and uh, the, the youth leaders and the disciples of young people understand is that technology is not neutral, right? It's not neutral. It's not, okay, so we wouldn't say it's immoral to own a smartphone. I'm using a smartphone to, you know, to do this, uh, this call right now. We, we all have smartphones. We have laptops. We, we use screens and tablets and, and all of this. But what we have to understand is that even though it may not be immoral to use these things, uh, technology is always moving in a direction. So that, that's why it's not neutral, right? If my car is in neutral, it's just kind of at a standstill. Technology is never in neutral. It's always moving in a direction. So for instance, I mean, just think about this example here. Uh, think about how back in the olden days, right? We watched movies. We would go with uh, maybe a group of people, friends, at least one other person typically. We'd go to a public uh, venue, a movie theater, and we'd sit with a bunch of other people in this public place, publicly watching something up on the screen. Afterwards, we, you know, we'd have this shared experience and might go to dinner or go home and you, you know, you're talking about it versus how young people typically watch a video now, right? You can just picture that young child with headphones on, plugged into the, the smartphone or the tablet, watching a movie all by themselves. Now, is that wrong? Well, not necessarily, but what I think the point here is it's not neutral. Notice in this second scenario, you are now uh, not watching it publicly. 
So just think about what that does in terms of accountability, uh, what you might feel like you can get away with watching when no one else is watching you watch this. Uh, mm -hmm. it, you're, you're isolated now. There's no shared experience. You had the singular experience by yourself. So it's nothing shared with someone else. Um, and uh, uh, it's just a whole different experience. And so therefore it's not neutral. It pushes you in a direction. And as Sean was saying, the, what we're seeing in terms of the rates of uh, depression and anxiety in young people, particularly in girls, it's affected girls even more so. Um, uh, we're, we're seeing, I think, the fruits of this because we, this is just a real big social experiment, right? Never before has a generation been raised with omnipresent screens since they were born. And uh, I think we're seeing some of the results. And so we as a, as a church and as parents really need to think very uh, carefully, think theologically about technology. What's the Christian worldview say about this? How can we use it? How, how do we not only sound the warning bell, but then how can technology be used for uh, uh, promoting the, the true and the good and the beautiful? And uh, so this is a huge issue with Gen Z. John, what about other generations? I mean, we're, Gen Z is important, but of course, this conference that you guys will be a part of, and part of what Tactical Faith has done, and part of you know my relationship with the Alabama Baptist is reaching all people for Christ, uh, showcasing you know King Jesus uh, in terms of uh, reasonable mind, but but with a heart towards character development, spiritual formation, and also hands to service for those who might not know Him into the community to bring wholeness, to bring shalom. What about other generations from boomer generation to millennials? What are some other questions that are out there? What are leading questions that are on these, that are on, I guess, general, generation, generationally? <laughs> what are some questions that you're seeing out there? For, like for me, for instance, 10 or yeah. 15 years ago, the questions might have been about atheism. What, what's the leading issues now in, in, in apologetics? So if I could, let me take a step back for a second and, point out one interesting thing about Gen Z is when I speak to parents, teachers, and others about Gen Z, I'll put up a slide that says, by the way, 79% display emotional symptoms of distress when they're away from their smartphones. Oh. And all the parents are nodding, going, yeah, that's my students. I say, by the way, that's actually of all generations, oh. not just students. <laughs> and the look is like, oh, touche, you got me. Sure. A lot of the things that Brett was just talking about are not just true of Gen Z. There's some demographers saying what we're seeing because of the smartphone, you now see people of all generations interacting with a smartphone. Now, it's true that young people are more vulnerable and don't have the wisdom and experience to process it. But the same issues of loneliness, same issues that Brett is talking about, we are seeing this across generations. Now, one of the differences is different generations tend to have different expectations when it comes to technology. And a lot of the conflict comes when these expectations are not stated. So I'm a Gen Xer, whatever that means when I sit down with a friend and we're having coffee, like the assumption is don't have your phone out and look at it. Unless we're looking at something together, we're going to set it aside and we're going to talk and be present. My son, his generation, he's 15, they tend to look down, have their phones out and they're looking at Instagram together. They want to be on Snapchat. They want to experience social media together. Now, my point is not as that one is better than the other. But when cross generations sit down, they have different expectations and there's conflict because these expectations are not stated. What I found in the classroom with my family, when I speak, if I have reasonable expectations, I explain why and I state them and hold this generation to them, they tend to respect that and follow along. We just don't do that. 
Now, with that said, the big questions, I, I'll say pretty quickly, I think the questions used to be, I've had a conversation with my dad about this, and he's spoken on 1,200 university campuses. And he told me when he was 60, 70s, 80s speaking, the most common questions people would say are things like, give me some evidence, give me some proof. How do you know that's true? And then in the 90s, the, questions st- the comments started to change to, what right do you have to say that? That's intolerant. You're a bigot for making that kind of claim. And broadly speaking, I think the questions have shifted from, is Christianity true to, is Christianity good? Or does Christianity even matter for how I want to live my life? That doesn't make truth unimportant. That's just to recognize the filter through which many people are even approaching this question. And we see that in questions like LGBTQ, which are dominating this generation. A lot of young people are wondering, guys, if I become a Christian, does that mean I have to hate gays? Even if it's true and it makes me a jerk and unloving, I'm not sure I want to join that club. So I think that's how the questions have shifted, not just for Gen Z, but for the culture as a whole. Yeah, I appreciate that, Sean. This is Daniel once again. So evangelism has to start at a different place. Uh, we, don't, we don't do evangelism in, in a culture that is asking, is Christianity good? I mean, we, we have to – it's more relational. It's more backing it up with our life. I mean, is, is that what I'm hearing or as, as opposed to yep. – Starting with the propositional. I think think evangelism always has been and has always supposed to be relational. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that radically changes, but the questions we ask, how we approach people Mm -hmm. because of understanding where they're at changes. I mean, Jesus was relational. It doesn't mean we have to spend six months getting to know someone before we talk about Jesus, but it's in a caring relationship that we have these kinds of conversations. That's the way it's always been. That's the way it always should be. But people are approaching and have different barriers to faith that we need to be willing to address in a loving, gracious manner. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's not winning an argument. Yes, it is. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But what about you, Brett? Um, In terms of you have an interest in creatives, right? You have an interest in in seeing seeing the Christian culture create good things that promote the truth. Um, How is that connected to the world of evangelism and apologetics? Yeah, well, I think – uh, the imagination is a part of the human person that the church has just ignored for a long time. And the role it plays, I think, uh, with individuals and with the culture, right? And I think this goes right along with what Sean is saying is, um, uh, you know, part of the reason that Christianity hasn't kind of captured people is because there's this cultural narrative that says, hey, religious people are bigoted, they're hateful they're not good. Religion doesn't lead to good things. And so there's no vision of kind of the good and, um, and there's not a picture of it either in the culture. Uh, so often in, let's say, uh, you know, the movies or, uh, you know, a Netflix series or whatever, the religious person, uh, is portrayed in some negative light oftentimes. Right. And so that's, that's the role I think the imagination can play in, 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 in kind of either, uh, creating kind of hard soil for us in as we proclaim the gospel or softening up the soil, right? And so if we, uh, you know, oftentimes a young person who's raised on screens is going to be before, and I, and I, I remember these are just generalizations because I don't think this holds in every single instance, but generally speaking, uh, a young person before they're going to be interested in maybe hearing the evidence, um, they, 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 they might need to just see a compelling picture of what a Christian can look like, what, what, what the Christian life looks like, whether that's 
something that's portrayed on a you know a movie screen or whether it's the the life of a a friend that they have um and so i think that's uh, you know that's why i have some interest in in reaching the creatives because i think the creatives can serve the uh uh, the church and minister to the culture in some pretty important ways and particularly as if people you know in our culture shut down the conversation a little bit more because you see a lot of you know kind of the, the the shouting down of uh, opposite views. You also see um, the shutting down of opposite views, even through legal means. And so uh, sometimes the, the, the kind of the propositional proclamation gets shut down. And so uh, we as Christians have got to be holistic in our approach and go after the, um, uh, uh, I think the imagination and the, uh, the, the will or the moral life or the conscience, so to speak. So um, yeah, so that's why I've been interested in that. And I think uh, last night I, I was at a, a soccer game, my daughter's soccer game. And I, it just really struck me last night. I was, my daughter goes to a Christian school. Um, now, not all the parents there are Christians, but the majority are Christians. We're at the soccer game. We're cheering on our, you know, our girls. The other team is a, it's a public high school. And um, I was really kind of listening to some of the, the cheering from the other side. I was kind of disgusted by these adults who were, for instance, cheering on a, um, a girl who'd gotten hurt or cheering against a girl who'd gotten hurt, kind of mocking her. And then uh, the game got a little heated. And then I watched our side and the, uh, some of these Christian parents just come unhinged at this game. And, and uh, my wife and I walked away really discouraged that um, Christians uh, you know, were, were in the public square uh, displaying a huge lack of character at a game, which really at the, at the end of the day doesn't mean a whole lot, especially in light of the character of our kids. Uh, parents excusing the really bad behavior of some of the girls on our team. And it just hit uh, uh, me last night of, of how our lives and how, how we live our lives and, and the character that we display and the goodness we display is such a huge testimony. And particularly given the question that Sean has outlined here, is Christianity good? That's often going to be answered by what they see in our lives. And mm -hmm. um, That's good. Well said. I've been saying that a long time. We've, I've been discussing that with Tactical Faith for a while, looking at the, uh, the role that virtues plays in the life of the mind and, and what both of these um, individuals that we've had on showcase, and you as well, Daniel, is a commitment for Christ to showcase King Jesus. And it looks like this Hope Conference is something that the Alabama Baptists uh, really hope um, that this is what we're going to be promoting um, February 23rd and 24th. Is there anything else you want to add? Hey, no, I, again, I appreciate it. Can't wait to, to meet you all in person, Brett and Sean, have you have you here at this conference. And uh, this is spot on what we need to hear, what our, what our churches need to hear, and a message we can take back to our community. So before we go, Brett, give out your website, and I'm going to have Sean give out uh and give a book too because I know both of y'all have some books out um, so Brett first what is where can, get, where can people get more information about what you're doing yeah our organization is uh, Maven a Maven is someone who is knowledgeable in a certain area or field and then seeks to pass that on to other people and that's really what we want to be for young people and what we want to help them become um, and so you can uh, find more information at our website which is maventruth.com and uh, uh, we all, you can find us all on um, social media as well. Uh, 
you can find mine at Sean McDonald. I mean, shoot, my bad. <laughs> and you'll be glad to know I'm not the one introducing you on Monday morning at the conference. Yeah, that would be me. It will be safe. I, I got introduced as Josh McDowell one time. I was like, oh, man, I, I am going to live in this shadow forever, man. Yeah. No worries. It, simply put, it's seanmcdowell.org, seanmcdowell.org. My most recent book with a, a friend of ours, Jay Warren Wallace, is called So the Next Generation Will Know practical ways to just equip this younger generation so seanmcdowell.org and then the book so the next generation will know would be an easy follow-up or dot- let me speak great let me speak to that also uh evangelizeal.org is our website if if we have folk out there who are listening and, and and you want to come to the conference everyone is welcome to come to the conference don't have to register just show up and attend it's at heritage baptist church in montgomery brett and sean are speaking monday morning it'll start around nine o'clock but the luncheon if, if you want to come to the luncheon at which uh, again brett and sean are speaking about reaching gen z you do need to register and you can find that information at evangelizeal.org and if you register for lunch not only is there lunch and great great speakers but also we're giving away uh, we're giving that book away sean to everyone who comes to the lunch oh, that's right cool and then we're also giving away uh one of brett's brett's books as well at that. So, so two books lunch great conversation okay and um my last name is Burford, but people call me Buford. Imagine being a Buford in the Deep South. So, I mean, come on. Y'all don't hey, know nothing. So. I was at a conference, and, and they introduced me as Matt Burford one time. Did they really? Did that raise you up some? <laughs> You'd only wish. Well, my last name was omitted from the high school yearbook. Oh, yeah? It just said Daniel because they could not remember who I was. No, <laughs> that's because you were so big time. You just needed the first name. Just the first name. No, no, sadly not. I have, a, I have a good perspective on reality. Well, guys, thank you so much. Brett, go back to your surfing. Sean, go back to whatever it is that you do. And uh, <laughs> All right, guys. we look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you. Bye.